0: y'all visiting, enjoying fellowshipping here. Um, Steve has gone this morning and uh, Dieter Paulson who's spoke here before us and uh, Dieter is the pastor of Redeemer Church here in Scottsboro, Alabama. He's also the executive director at the Turning Point Pregnancy Center and uh, a good friend with this church and has been for for some time now. and, Dieter, we're, we're appreciative of you being here and filling in for Steve this morning. Um, that's a that's a bad word, use, filling in. We're thankful for you to be here and, and preach and teach for us this, this morning. Uh, his wife's Marty. They have four children. And, and uh, again, we thank you for being here. It's, a lot of y'all know, either know Dieter or you've been here when he is, has uh, been here leading us before. So, again, thank you, and he'll be here in, in a little bit. Um, to to teach. Um, After we get through here, in a a minute, Stan Gibby's going to come up and and, uh, do our call to worship, and then we'll get started. Uh, did want to go ahead, and I'll I'll go ahead and mention this now, that we will not have a service tonight, so this will be our only service today. Um, Any other announcements or anything, Uh, Bible study, you need... The Ladies Bible Study, New Ladies Bible Study is going to be starting this Tuesday night here at the church. What time? 6.30. So any questions about that, y'all can see Ann and ask her about that. Um, other than that, I think we are about ready to go. Let me uh, open in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord. We're, we praise you and thank you that you are our creator, sustainer God, that um you are, we we praise your character. We love you for who you are, and everything about you. And Father, we praise you so much that you are a merciful, forgiving God, and that you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you. And when Jesus, your Son, died on the cross for our sins, and Father, you um, again, you are merciful and forgiving. And we praise you and thank you for that. Um, We claim you and nothing else for our righteousness and what Christ has done on the cross. And we, um, we give this service to you this morning. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The call to worship this morning
1: is Psalm 1. The way of the righteous and the wicked. but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to come and to worship you. Lord. not just uh, with the songs that we sing, but Father, as we hear your word taught and preached, uh, God, we thank you that uh, we have that freedom in this country, and Lord, we, we thank you for your word and for um, how the word guides uh, every aspect of our lives, and God, I pray that you would help us to yield uh, to the, the teaching of your word, the clear teaching of your word, and Lord, thank you for Dieter, and I pray, God, that uh, you would use him this morning to, to speak to each of our hearts. Lord, may this time of worship and song uh, bring glory to you uh, as we lift our voices to you. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning.
2: Let's stand and worship together.
0: Let's pray, <clears throat> Father. Thank you for this morning. You've given us to, to gather here uh, as a body <clears throat> and worship you in song and uh, through Scripture um, and fellowship. Lord, I pray you would uh, open our minds, open our uh, open our hearts, um, allow us to uh, really fall down. Um, you know, confess our sins to you, um, so that we are um, able to. To hear hear from you clearly lord i pray you would uh be with Dieter as he brings the word to us later and um in your name amen
2: this song this morning is uh my mother-in-law lynn's mom will be 90 tomorrow and uh, she lives in uh, cloverdale and due to the circumstances of COVID and all that, we don't get to visit a lot and haven't for a year or more. But the fact that she's 90, this is one of her favorites, hymns, so our songs, hymns. <laughs> mountain and you got peace of mind like you've never known and then things change and you're down in a valley and don't lose faith for you're never alone the God of the mountain Still God in the valley, when things go wrong, he'll make them right, and the God of the good times, still God in the bad times, God of the day, still God in the night. You talk of faith when you're up on a mountain. The talk comes easy when life's at its best. And then down in the valley, the trials and temptation, that's when faith is really put to the test. The God of the mountain, Still God in the valley When things go wrong He'll make it right And the God of the good times Still God in the bad times God of the day Still God in the night The God of the good times, still God in the bad times, God of the day, still God in the night.
3: Thank you, Mike. Beautiful song. It's good to be with you all today. If you have a copy of God's Word, open it to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 36. Bit of a long passage, but I'm going to read fast. But uh, let's now tune our hearts to God's holy word. And Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast, and the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe do you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Let's now pray I'll ask God's blessing upon the preaching of his word. Father, we bow before your throne of grace and we ask that you would be our teacher. It's a passage that seems daunting and maybe not what we were thinking we would hear today, but we pray that you would use it for your glory in our hearts, that you would build us up, that you would confront us also, Lord, where we need to be confronted, that you would, Lord, enable us to learn from what Christ our Savior has commanded us here, we ask that you would hide the messenger, that you'd speak through your word powerfully and clearly, and make us more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name that we ask this, and all God's people said, amen. You ever heard someone say, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites? I love that one. I, I, I really don't love it, actually, because it's not a reflection of reality. What they're saying is there's people in church that appear to have it all together. They're sweet and kind and nice, maybe on Sundays, but they seem to have a different reputation outside of church, outside of Sunday. I call these people Sunday saints and Monday ain'ts. You ever heard that one? I can't, I can't claim originality on that. The reality of it is the church is, you know, I don't think the church is full of hypocrites. The ancient Greek understanding of a hypocrite was an actor, somebody who's putting on a face, who is putting on a show to be somebody who really they're not. They were actors or fakers. So this message this morning, I'm entitling warnings to Christ followers and to fakers. Because Jesus is at the end of his ministry, he's about to go to the cross, and he's giving warnings. He's talking to those who have, he's come to preach a message of salvation to, and to say, hey, I, I'm calling you to follow me. And there's others, though, be careful, don't follow these guys. They are the blind ones. They are the blind guides. They will lead you to judgment, because their way is judged by me. So when we think about these, this concept of followers and fakers, the reality is the church is made up of, of all kinds, and we have to know that there's going to be those within our midst, and so and we also have to know that the heart that we have, because sin is still present, we're going to battle with these very tendencies that we see also, even within the hypocrites. So we're just being warned by Christ to know, once again, the way of salvation, is through him, through following him. The way of judgment is following your own way because really the, the path of the followers is a path of hypocrisy. It's a path of self-righteousness and doing things for your own glory. So first, his warning to followers of Christ. Be not like the scribes and Pharisees, he says in verses one through 12. He's been encountering these Pharisees all along. He's Once again, he's, he's been teaching in parables Parables are meant to open the eyes of those who cannot see. It's this message of salvation and mercy. It's also to blind those who think they can see, like the Pharisees, and really turn their world upside down. So judgment and salvation. Be be having those themes before you as as we hear what Jesus has taught. He basically tells the crowd and his disciples in his hearing, and of course there's likely scribes and Pharisees in their midst, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe what they tell you. What in the world is going on here? First of all, in the synagogues, there's a seat, and that's where the rabbi would sit and read from Moses' first five books, the Torah, and they would expound upon the law and tell the people, this is how you are to live. The problem is, is that these guys would preach this, and then they would go and do anything else. They actually would go and do their their own tradition. They had created 600-some extra laws. If the Ten Commandments aren't hard enough, I mean, anybody in here say the Ten Commandments are pretty tough? They're tough enough. But these guys go and and make 600 more laws, and that was what they were saying, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to do Moses' law. We're going to do our tradition because it's better. Okay, They actually believe this. So Jesus is confronting here that they actually did something right. They're preaching the law of Moses. What is the law meant to do? It's never meant to justify us and show us that, well, if we just obey the law, we're good, we're covered. The law actually points us to the reality that we're broken. We can't get past the first command. We are lawbreakers. We make other gods before him. Our our hearts are idol factories. So Jesus is wanting his hearers, his followers, to see the great inconsistency of these men. They preach this one thing, but their practice is not to do the law. The, 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 their law is not to love God and love neighbor. That's the summation of the law, as Jesus said. And so he's confronting incredible uh, inconsistency here. They're man-made worldly religion that's grounded in self-righteousness. They don't practice what they teach or preach. They do not practice what they preach. They are preaching Moses' law, and then they go and are doing their own tradition. And this is very wrong. Christ is against this, and he's commanding us, don't be like these guys who preach the law, preach God's word, and then go and do whatever we want to do. The spirit of the law of God is to guide us in a faith that works itself out through love, loving action. And these men were not like this. The other inconsistency Jesus points out is that they do what they do for themselves. And this is very interesting. He, he sees that they want to be seen. He does, they do everything they do so that they can be seen by others. So it's all about boosting their own pride and their own self-righteousness. <clears throat> They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. The Spirit of God had told Moses to have the people bind the law of God upon their foreheads and their forearms so that they would literally be guided in everything they do in their mind and their actions by the law of God. So what do these guys do? They make these big boxes to wear on their heads and their arms, and they're full of tassels and whatnot. I mean, it had to look really silly. I mean, think about taping a shoebox to your head, and that's what it basically looked like. And these guys, they want the bigger the boxes, the better. They wanted to impress. They wanted to become the most. They wanted to be the most religious of the day, and they thought that that was the practical application that the Holy Spirit was telling His people to do through Moses. And that was not the case. The law is to be on our minds and in our hearts, and to guide everything that we do. Not to have a literal box on our head, so that we can have other people go, "Wow." That's a big box on his head. No. Jesus is exposing that he sees our hearts. He sees that they love the place of honor. They love the best seats in the house and the greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi. He he sees their hearts and he knows that these men are evil. They are all about their works that somehow those works measure up to God saying, good job, I approve of you. And nothing could be further from the truth to the point that Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And most people back then probably were going, I can't do anything more than they do. Well, praise God, it's not about what we do. It's about who you believe in. Who do you trust in for your righteousness? It doesn't come from here. And that's where the Pharisees and the scribes had it wrong. Isn't it true that self-righteousness grounded in pride breeds more pride and and it's self-deceiving? You believe a lie long enough, it becomes truth to you. Sin has corrupted our mind, will, and affections, our emotions, so that we can even deceive ourselves and come up with versions of the truth. There's no versions of the truth. There's only one truth, but Christ came to bear witness to the truth. Hang with me for a minute. Think about Pilate confronting Jesus there in the last couple days of Jesus' life. Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus said, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Did you hear that? Pilate actually acknowledges that sinful man on his own does not know what truth is. He cannot know what truth is. To him, truth is what is relative to him. It's a subjective matter. Well, Jesus is revealing to Pilate and even to us as we have God's word that he's a king, my kingdom, he says. Jesus is a king. He's speaking of his kingdom, and his kingdom is not like any other. It's not of this world nor from it. It's a spiritual kingdom. And he's come to bear witness to the truth, revealing he is the greater Moses, So he's a prophet unlike any other who's come before him, whose whose purpose was to come into this world and to be born to demonstrate to the world in darkness what the light of truth actually is. And he does more than service the greatest king and the greatest prophet. He hints to this when he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He is the actual priest who has come to mediate between God and man, to speak, to make sacrifice for those Who are of the truth, those born of God, as John says. And he would do this through his own death, his own sacrificial sacrifice of himself for us on the cross. And so he also goes on into telling the believers here, I'm tying these things in from John into what Matthew is saying here, because Jesus is not just wanting them to see the inconsistencies and don't don't be like the scribes and Pharisees in this way, where they practice what they don't preach, and only do things to, to be seen by others to impress others. He gives them principles of his kingdom of how we are to live. Now he says, "You have one teacher, and are all brothers." So don't be called rabbi. I share all that I shared earlier, because uh, from John's gospel, because Jesus is saying, listen to me, I'm the one you're to follow. I am your king, I'm the prophet, I am the priest that God has prophesied of. Do not follow the Pharisees, be united with me because there's level ground at the foot of the cross and I make you brothers. As you come to trust in me, I make you brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we bow to him and do so together as family. You have one father, Jesus says, who's in heaven, so don't call someone your father as the religious leaders do. Jesus is saying the Pharisees will tell you one thing, but I tell you you have one father in heaven worthy of that title, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, by the Holy Spirit. See, the scribes and Pharisees hated that Jesus called God Father because that meant he was in a relationship with him, that he was a son that he was connected and united with the father really one with the father one family with the father jesus is saying you believers you followers of me you have one father who's in heaven don't call someone else like a religious teacher a father i'm you have one father in heaven You have one instructor, the Christ, so don't be called instructors as the religious leaders do. Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I am your instructor. This is interesting because Jesus very clearly called himself son of man so, so often. But here it's very clear he calls himself the Messiah of God, the Christ of God. He also did this in the high priestly prayer of John 17, called himself Christ. And he says, I have come to be your teacher, to witness to truth, And he is the way, the truth, and the life. The last thing Jesus tells his disciples, his followers, Christ followers, to be concerned with is this. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is saying here that the Pharisees have spiritual reality upside down. See, they're they're wanting to be the greatest and the best. And Jesus is saying, nope, they have it backwards. Whoever's greatest in the kingdom will be a servant. Pride and self-righteousness, like the Pharisees and scribes stood for, stand opposed to the king himself in the way of his kingdom. True spiritual reality is that exaltation of self will result in humiliation, and humiliation will result in exaltation. If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. Jesus is saying, actually I'm going to be the one that will exalt the humbled and I will humble the exalted. We see that earlier in Matthew 7 when he says, "I'm the judge. There will be those who come to me, He say, "Oh we Lord, we did all these things in your name. We're good. We did all these good things. We're righteous. And Jesus says, "Depart from me, I never knew you. And there's others who have f- followed Christ and see him as their righteousness, who he says, you're mine, enter into my kingdom. Fellow followers of Christ, we must be careful as our hearts can fall into the ways of the world, where we do what the fakers do. Paul W. Powell once observed, pride is so subtle that if we're not careful, we'll be proud of our humility. When this happens, our goodness becomes badness, our virtues become vices, we can easily become like the Sunday school teacher who, having told the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, said, children, let's bow our heads and thank God we're not like the Pharisee. We need to be careful. Follow Christ and him alone. He's our righteousness. The second part of this passage, blowing I'm going to fly through this, is a warning to the fakers. Judgment is upon you for your self-righteousness, Jesus says, verses 13 to 36. John Calvin says, I call it not humility so long as we think there's any good remaining inside of us. Those who have joined together two things to think humbly of ourselves before God and yet hold our own righteousness in some estimation have a pernicious hypocrisy. What's Calvin telling us and teaching us? That if we have a, think, you think of ourselves humbly before God and yet still hold on to a righteousness that is our own, we are guilty. Of hypocrisy. On well, this section of passage, Jesus actually is giving seven woes, which are pronouncements of judgment, because he sees and knows that this religion of theirs is false. They are actors. They aren't truly, truly knowing spiritual reality. They are fakers. So the Lord Jesus is warning them that he sees their hearts and they will be judged for their sins. But I think we also need to take away from it. Christ followers, that Jesus is saying, I see you too. I see where your heart and flesh tend towards these very things. So we got to be aware of them. So don't check out and think these don't apply to us. They actually do. And we've got to just be aware of these so that we can repent and turn back to Christ. So <clears throat> Jesus says, the first woe. He's pointing out that fakers lead themselves and others away from the kingdom of heaven. Instead of showing others the way to heaven and doing what Christ has called us to do and teaching others to be his disciples, he's saying these fakers, they don't themselves enter the kingdom of heaven and they keep others away from the kingdom too. They are showing their own righteousness, their self-righteousness within themselves. Calvin says the human heart has so many nooks and crannies where pride or vanity hides, so many holes where falsehood lurks. It's so decked out with deceiving hypocrisy that it often dupes itself. We've got to be, be watchful of the sin that can blind us to what's going on. We're blind sometimes to our own blindness. Fakers are true, truly blind to true spiritual reality in the kingdom. That maybe we make it about our own kingdom. May God help us to repent of where we've made more of our own kingdom than the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Maybe you saying, you know what, I can't lead somebody to Christ. I haven't gone to seminary or I haven't got the right things to say. That's not true. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Word of God. Be willing. Make it a priority. We might be the only Jesus people see, so let us be his hands and feet and make disciples of him. May we even point ourselves to to Christ, to his kingdom, to be about him and his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Let's follow him together as he's returning soon. Secondly, fakers bear fruit, but it's often rotten fruit that's worse than their own. They work hard to make disciples. This is what he's talking about here. They actually work hard to make disciples of their own, but they make them worse than themselves. He calls them that they're, they're, they're children of hell, and they're actually making them twice the children of hell that they are. That's a pretty strong statement. May we repent of corrupting others by our ungodly influence and fleshly example. Repent of being unfruitful and unproductive in the knowledge of Christ. Yes, I said that. Christians can actually be unfruitful in, the, in, in, in knowing Christ. Why? Because we're not adding to our faith. We're not growing in our faith. We're stagnated. We're not seeking the Lord. We're, once again, maybe about our own kingdom and feeling good about being a good Christian person who doesn't do like these things like this person over here. May we pour out ourselves in the lives of others that they might learn from our mistakes and be modeled how to live the Christian life, so they'd outshine us in this world and in the next. One of the biggest examples that I have sought to put forth in my family is to tell my kids, hey, I'm sorry, Dad, Dad's failed. Please forgive me. That's been huge. My son has told me, Dad, I can't tell you how much that means to me when you said that. That's, that's, that's real. That's sincere. That's sincere. That's authentic. Fakers don't do that. So let's not be like the fakers. Let's repent and confess our sins, constantly demonstrating that we are bearing fruit for God's glory. Fakers also mislead others in what is most important. They're blind guides. They are fools, Jesus says. They are mistaking the profane for the sacred. They're making mountains out of molehills making a big deal about the gift being greater than the altar, the goal greater than the temple. I mean, these guys just made a big deal about these externals and forgot about the very heart of the faith. May we repent of making certain things more important than the Lord Jesus in relationship with him. You know, if we've made Christianity about going to church, doing Christian things, drinking Christian coffee, having Christian conversation, whatever you fill in the blank, Actions like you know, being nice, being tolerant, or whatever I call being nice, the 11th commandment. And so a lot of people in the world are like, oh, "Just Christians just need to be nice. I'm like, Christians are nice. I'm not hateful toward anybody, I just have convictions. And if I say I don't agree with something, that doesn't mean I'm hating on you. Um, but we need to repent of our idols, folks, making good things ultimate things. We need to Repent. Of that, because that leads us down dark roads where we look like fakers and we're misleading others. Fakers actually neglect and misunderstand the law. This is one of my favorite ones. As we can neglect what is most important in the law to do that which is least important in it. Jesus says these Pharisees tithe mint and dill and cumin, these little spices, and tithing, you know, on these little things. So important, right? No, not really. Tithing is very important to God. But these guys made such a big deal about tithing these little tiny spices. But they abandoned justice, mercy, and walking humbly with God in faithfulness. They missed the mark by their outward actions of tithing all these spices. They majored in the minors. So Jesus actually says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. I love this phrase. If you don't know what it means, it's your lucky day, here it is. These guys, if they had a little gnat swimming in their milk, they just scoop, make, make sure they would scoop that little gnat out so they could keep drinking their drink. We'd probably throw it out, but back in that day, you don't do that. But these guys were all about the little things, making sure they were clean in the little things. But Jesus says, metaphorically, They were swallowing camels. What's wrong with a camel? Those guys, Jews don't eat camels because they're unclean. Jesus is basically saying, You care so much about these little things, and yet at the same time, in the big things, you are taking in all this uncleanness, and you yourselves are unclean. Don't major in the minors. Don't major in the minors. Be concerned about the law and don't neglect it. Don't misunderstand it. For if we are neglecting and misunderstanding it, once again, what are we doing with these little things? We're, we're, we're just being hypocrites. Cleaning out these little things, but in the big things, really mis- misguiding folks. Let's repent of our sins of commission, doing what God has said not to do. And you know, there's things God's told us not to do, Right? And oftentimes we're like, yeah, God's laws often are a lot about what not to do. But there's a lot of things that he tells us to do. And so there's sins of commission, things that we're told don't do that, that we do. But there's also the things he's told us to do, and we, we don't do those. We've got to repent of both. The law teaches us. God has given us things that he wants us to do and, and wants us to pursue and Those are sins too when we don't do them. Let's repent. Let's be sure to let the law be something we really seek to understand and be careful not to misunderstand and to practice what God has shown us there. Also, we see fakers focus on the externals of religion. These guys focused on cleaning the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup was full of greed and indulgence, self-indulgence. It's interesting, Jesus is saying, don't focus on the externals. This is not what true religion is about. I I actually get this from Tim Lane and Paul Tripp. They talk about fruit pasting. You know, if you draw a picture of a tree and you start pasting fruit on the tree, that's kind of what people do to look good on the outside. Like, oh, I got all these things on the outside that people go, oh, man, he's a great Christian. Look at all the good stuff he does. These scribes and Pharisees were all about this fruit pasting, but it's, it's not about what's inside that's leading them to have good fruit. They're just putting on these things on the outside to look good. The root must be Christ. And the vine I and mean, we are the branches. He's the vine. We are to be bearing much fruit because He is our life, and He is the source. John Calvin says there's nothing which God more hates than when men endeavor to cover themselves or clothe themselves by submitting signs and external appearance for integrity of heart. So let's repent of fruit pasting to look good and not staying connected to the root and vine, Christ Jesus. Let's make sure our faith is attended by fruit, that is our faith working itself out through love, love, loving Christ and following him and love of neighbor. Six, fakers are about appearances but aren't concerned with the heart. And this one's so, Jesus puts this one so well. You are like whitewashed tombs which are outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. They appear outwardly righteous but are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Once again, Jesus is kind of talking about if you look, try to look good on the outside but the inside's dirty, your religion's worthless. It doesn't make any sense. And this is not true religion. True religion, the spiritual religion that Christ has come to give uh, us through following Him, is going to be from the inside out. So we've got to take care of our own souls, folks. I you mean, know, if we had a show of hands this week, who's spent time with the Lord in prayer and in the Word? Who's really seeking to follow Christ each and every day? From, from the heart. I promise you, if you and I dare you, if you make that personal worship habit a priority, and you say, Lord, I'm going to put you first every day, I, wanna, I, wanna, I challenge you to see what would happen in your life. If, but oftentimes we neglect our own souls. We just want to look good on the outside, make sure our hair is brushed or clothes are just right. We say maybe nice things to people but we neglect our own souls. Folks, we can't do it. We've got to take care of our own souls and walk with Christ, reminding ourselves of the truth, preaching the gospel to ourselves. Let's make sure that we're not indulging in spiritual pride and sinful acts while trying to look righteous. Our sins will find us out. And lastly, this one's a a tough one, but fakers are liars and deceivers, and Jesus knows and sees their hearts. And he speaks about these scribes and Pharisees, how they actually decorated the monuments of the righteous, like the graves of the prophets. And he basically says, you guys are liars. You do all that, and actually you are dishonoring them, and you would kill them today if they were living. Why is Jesus saying this? Well, he heals Lazarus and raises him from the dead, right? He raises him from the dead, and what do the scribes and Pharisees do? They plot to kill him. They plot to kill Lazarus because of what he stands for and that he's able to preach Christ. They were pursuing Christ to kill him. Jesus is calling them serpents, broods of vipers. They cannot escape their sentence of of hell that Jesus has on them. And on them will come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from Abel all all the way down to Zechariah. And I don't, I don't quite understand where Jesus is, is bringing that fact in, but I think what he's saying is, I see, I see you guys. I see your hearts. You're just like your fathers who killed the prophets. And I saw, Zer- I saw Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, that you, your fathers murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. I saw that. And that's coming on you because of your lying and your deceit deceitful ways let us repent of aligning ourselves with the enemy and his offspring through lying and being deceitful let's be faithful to the truth and live in truth even though it might cost us to do so let's remember he knows our deeds and will hold us to an accounting in his sight i close with this story a newspaper called the christian herald recounted that a man met with a severe accident and was taken to the hospital the doctor was looking at his injuries, he noticed the name of Jesus beautifully tattooed on the man's chest. And a nurse standing by said, I wonder if it's deeper than the skin. That is the kind of religion that the Lord Jesus came to give to us, a religion that is deeper than the skin. Religion actually based in relationship with Christ, our Savior, where he is our Messiah that we follow, He is our righteousness. He is our everything, our all in all. May God help us as followers of Christ, practice what we preach, walk the talk, do what we do, not to be seen by others, but do all we do for the glory of God. May we follow his warnings, be diligent to watch out that we follow him and not the pride and self-righteousness that's so deceptive. And may those who find themselves to be religious fakers this morning, not following Jesus Christ, I say turn from from your sin look to Jesus Christ. Turn from your self-righteousness and self-justifying ways because our righteousness folks in and of themselves are like filthy rags. There's There's no one righteous except for Christ. May all of us have a religion that is deeper than the skin, religion that goes down to the heart where Christ Jesus lives and reigns. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you would help us as Christ's followers, Lord, to apply these truths. We ask that you would stir our hearts. We ask that you would help us. Oh, Lord, help us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We ask, God, that you would convict the hearts of us in here, Lord, where we have been fakers. and and been faking it. We know because of sin, God, we can have these tendencies. So we yield these things up to you. We ask that you would refresh us by your grace this morning, by the Spirit of God, that you would help us to be obedient and repentant and believing people who leave here different than when we came. Lord, help us not to be Sunday saints and Monday ain'ts. Help us be consistent and sincere and authentic so that the world around us might see Jesus and say, hey, I want to know him too. Lord, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. God's people said, amen. Let me close us with a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine.